of Hockey, episode 81. It's going to be a fun one. We have a big-time guest today with uh, the Washington Capitals, Brendan Dillon. Uh, because it is episode 81, we're calling this one, well, should we call it the Phil Kessel episode? We've talked a lot about him and his hot dog love. We've talked <laughs> a little about Marion Hossa and how much I despise him. But no, I think we should go with Miroslav Shatan. What do you guys think about that? I like Satan. Okay. I mean, excuse me, Shatan. <laughs> Shatan. <laughs> Do you remember Spilt when, uh, who was it? I want to see it was Butcher Grass. He used to do like the church lady thing from SNL, right? Where <laughs> yeah. Dana Carvey would go, could it be Satan? So that was like the <laughs> like the catchphrase that I think Butcher Grass was using on ESPN for a while. Wherever like Miroslav Shatan would show up in a highlight package, he'd go, could it be Satan? And eventually he got in trouble and like couldn't do it anymore. They like stopped letting him, really? letting him say that. Yeah. It is a shame that he never got traded to or signed with the Devils because the jersey sales sales alone, a New Jersey Devils sweater with Satan on the back. I mean, they really missed out on an opportunity. Ah, exactly. Uh, But anyway, like I said, big episode here, big time guest. This is Darren Brown, a.k.a. at Darren Fun Brown on the Twitter. Joined, as always, by Andy Eide. Hello, Andy. Uh, How's it going? I'm at Andy Eide on the Twitter. And John Barr. Hello, John. Hello, everyone. I'm NHL2Seattle on the Twitter. And we are coming to you from Seattle, uh, various locations across the metropolitan area here. Gentlemen, have you subscribed to my YouTube channel yet? Uh, I don't know if I subscribe, but I've watched them both. There's been two, right? I subscribe <laughs> and support, I get Andy. alerts. I mm-hmm. get alerts. Wow. Wow. I will uh, have to subscribe after this is over. We, I, You know, I kind of threatened it last week that I was thinking about doing this thing. I actually did put a couple of episodes out this week, and they're short little four or five minute clips that... I had a lot of fun doing, so um, give them a look if you haven't already. I, I enjoyed them, but now I don't feel legit at all after the first two because neither of the legit things I do or have. Well, the second one, I, I sent a, te- a text to Darren. I didn't know how to how to figure it out. I don't. My coffee maker wouldn't fit on the uh, the old <laughs> scale, so yeah. I was I was kind of screwed up. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're just not know, legit. So- I'm I'm giving you tips for being legit. But if you can't okay. figure out or do what I'm saying based on what you have around the house. So I have to cut a V-neck into my hoodies and put skate laces through them to become legit? Is that what that yeah, help? Yeah. Well, it helps you become – there's other ways to be legit, but, like, that's an easy okay. shortcut, right, for being legit. Sure. Like, if you if you have skate laces on your sweatshirt, then people know that you're a legit hockey person. And I don't oh. drink coffee, but I doubt that I would put any kind of math into it if I did. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. So well, I'm already struggling. <laughs> I'm struggling out of the gates with your legitness. So. Yeah, multiplying the amount of coffee by 16 is definitely challenging. So I understand it's, it's that. It's tough. Yeah. But, but the videos were great, though. The videos were great. I enjoyed them, even though they made me feel sad. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, also, some breaking news. I don't know if you guys saw this. Well, I'm pretty sure that you definitely have seen it. But NHL Seattle did a little story this past week about some of their favorite podcasts. Guess who? Huge right? story. Yeah. Huge Oh, sorry, not a little yeah, story. Best, Huge best story. story ever. Best mm-hmm. story ever, yeah. Uh, guess what podcast was included? <laughs> we made the cut. We made the cut. We are very much honored and really appreciated being included on their, on their story. That is, they, they named me, uh, which that does make it the first time that I've been named in an NHL.com story. So that was a big watershed moment nice. for me. Uh, I know you guys are, you know, you've been named in an NHL.com story for well, many I think times. it's the first time my name was named in the story. Okay. As opposed to like I've having been in the, by- the, story. the byline, obviously, I've written some stuff for them, but okay. first time in the story. All right. Well, nonetheless, felt like a big moment, yeah. so we made it. That's that's all I can say. Did you order print copies of it? 
Uh, no, but I definitely <laughs> sent the link to like my mom and dad to show them awesome. how That's special cool. I am. So they had other podcasts in there, but really the only one you should care about is this one. I, I heard there I was some. Any, I didn't see any other podcasts in there. Someone told me there was. I didn't really read okay. it. So all right, cool. I saw us, and that's all I needed to read. All it's right, we are going to dive right into our interview here. This was just an awesome visit with Brendan Dillon, who is really great with his time. Uh, I think you're going to like it a lot. I feel like sometimes you hear player interviews, and you know it can be a little dry sometimes, and he's he's not that kind of guy. He is just uh, very engaging, and uh, you can tell he's he's just a generally really, really good guy. So Great story, too, how he got to where he is yeah, now. Yeah, so. absolutely. Here is Brendan Dillon. Welcome on to Sound of Hockey, a very special guest. We are absolutely thrilled and excited to be talking to a nine-year veteran defenseman in the NHL. Uh, he's played for the Dallas Stars, the San Jose Sharks, and now he is with the Washington Capitals. Uh, you may also know, if you're in the Seattle area, that he spent four years playing with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, very excited to welcome on to Sound of Hockey, Mr. Brendan Dillon. Brendan, thanks for joining us today. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. Uh, I'm going to start with a couple of softballs here for you. First, we did a little <laughs> bit of recon, and we learned from right. a little birdie here in Seattle that you were once called Zeus uh, when you played for the Thunderbirds. We're wondering if you can explain the origins of that. Oh, geez. Who, uh, who did that? <laughs> we can't <laughs> reveal our sources. Can't reveal our sources. I was say that that would have had to be from, well, my era, so 06 to 2010, 2011. Jeez, yeah, that was... Um, trying to think of the culprits i don't know i'm gonna have to ask around but <laughs> yeah that was um well i again i mean for for me personally i i like spending time in the gym um i think a big part of big part of being a hockey player and being a professional athlete or any athlete in general a lot of it goes kind of goes into away from from wherever that is whether that's the rink or the the field or the arena um and i've I really took a lot of pride in, in you know, my, my off ice, uh, off ice workouts. And, um, you know, a few of the guys, they, they'd kind of give me crap if I, for whatever reason, you know, I had my shirt off, I was getting changed in the room. Or, um, then one thing kind of led to the next. And, um, here I was, uh, I was being called Zeus by, by a few people. And, um, I think it kind of really started to take off towards my last couple of years. And then when I was captain, the guys just, Thought it thought it kind of fit, and um, yeah, again, I'd say it was uh, it was just one of those weird nicknames that stuck for a couple of years. I kept that one. I kept that one in the in the back pocket, though. I didn't really want the, the guys in pro. I think I might have been getting stripped a little much for that one. So, yeah. The, the same source also wanted me to ask you about uh, showing up to training camp. I think when you were seventeen, wearing T blades, you still use those? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that was um again something which i i probably knowing what i know now going to my first major junior camp having t-blades on probably wasn't the smartest idea <laughs> um i i took a lot of a lot of trips from the guys and i mean fortunate enough for me i was able to make the team which was which kind of helped my cause i think in kind of being <laughs> welcomed into the to the dressing room but uh, I think the, the the conversation with at the time head coach Rob Sumner was, um, yeah, Dilly, uh, you're, you know, congratulations on making the team, but um, I've already talked to the equipment staff and uh, those blades will be getting changed before, uh, before the first game. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was again, something that was just a funny, funny thing looking back. And, and I think for me and my personality, I, 
I definitely like to be one of the more reserved, um, you know, not anything too flashy kind of guy. So the, I, I think getting rid of those T-blades was, was, again, probably probably in the best interest for me. <laughs> yeah, so for our listeners that aren't familiar with them, they're, they're different from the traditional skate blade holder because it's like, I want to say it's like eight bars that connect to the bottom of your skate and then it kind of allows the blade to clip in and out. And it was sort of the original, like, changeable blade and back then I, I remember that it was a very like novelty thing i also remember from from my playing days that whenever somebody wore those t-blades they made a totally different sound on the ice it was almost like a like a buzzing sound as opposed to a skate blade so um, probably a good call to to change those out <laughs> yeah you, you could definitely be heard around uh heard around the rink a lot uh, a lot louder wearing <laughs> those things so the element of surprise not that you can really have much of it in hockey anyways yeah. but um, like I said, probably in the best interest of the guys, those things. All right. So one more, one more softball for you. We saw that Joe Pavelski, who is uh, obviously a teammate of yours for several years in San Jose, was just voted as the best golfer in the NHL by his peers. I was just curious if you voted for him. I definitely did vote for him. And I've been <laughs> lucky enough to play, play many rounds with, with Pavelski's definitely as advertising that comes, uh, comes to the golf course we we had in san jose right across the street um from our practice rink actually uh the san jose state golf facility and um you know again i don't want to be spreading any rumors but um <laughs> after pregame skates a lot of times you could see uh see joe's car in the parking lot there you know <laughs> hitting the bucket of balls or whatever it might be and um for him i mean just just a tremendous athlete all around i think when you you think about how how unbelievable he is on the ice playing hockey and playing at the highest level and not just playing at the highest level, but being, you know, the guy, the player that he is a uh, thousand games, uh, tons of playoff games. And again, it's his resume speaks for itself, but I think uh, then to be as good, I think he's, <laughs> he's always shot par or under par when I played with him. So, um, you know, wow. he does that tournament in the summertime. I think it's down, uh, down in Southern or maybe it's Northern California. I think it's not too far from San Jose where, I think Tony Romo has won a couple and it's in uh, Tahoe, TJ right? Oshi and Tahoe. That's right. Yeah. So there's been a few guys that, uh, that have gotten there from other sports. He's usually right up there, uh, in the top 10 every year. So uh, maybe something he can do after hockey. Who knows? Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, so I am actually curious though, as far as you mentioned being a good athlete, right? So right now, what are you and your teammates doing? Like, are you finding ways to skate even though you're in social distancing or are you just doing at home workouts or what's the, what's the situation right now for you as a player? Yeah. Uh, definitely a very, very, very unique situation. Something where, uh, I think everyone's in the same boat unless there's that small, percentage of us that are able to have the you know really nice gym in their basement or who knows maybe some guys got uh, a little 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 hockey rink or something and maybe the colder climates are able to use with but uh for me and i know a lot of players especially on our team in washington here um aren't skating aren't able to skate i guess wouldn't wouldn't really have the 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 ability to skate we we all i'm sure would love to be out there whether that's a practice rink or uh just just in general but for me, it's just been a matter of, of getting in some workouts, um, trying your best to, to keep the body as tight as you can in, in a situation like this. Um, it's, uh, you know, you're not going into any main gyms where, where you have all access to full full equipment and, um, uh, you know, what we're used to for, for majority of the summer times or if there was to be during bye week or the all-star break, things like this. And uh, I think it's just a very unique, a unique thing where uh, our team, our strength coach, has been 
been in constant communication with all the guys, giving us some some home workouts and remedies. Mm. Um, I've I've gotten to be able to go and play tennis with a few of the guys, and uh, you know, at a tennis court fairly close to to where I am, and um, you know, just get outside and, and do something. And it's it's pretty much a ghost town. Uh, anywhere you hear me talking to my parents back in Vancouver, or friends and family uh, all across North America, everyone seems to be in the same boat and, and taking this thing pretty seriously. So. Uh, it's um, in, in everyone's best interest for, for us as hockey players to get back to doing what we want to do. So going back to your, your Seattle days, you it's interesting to me to go back to your the Bantam draft. You weren't selected in the Bantam draft. And was that a big disappointment to you? Were you hoping to? What, what was that day like for you when you weren't when you weren't picked? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a massive day for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was a big, a big letdown uh for for sure not getting getting picked at all. I think that year the first overall pick was was actually in my hometown of Surrey, Colton Tubert, um, mm-hmm. a guy who I think he went to Regina and uh, I'd I played against him him growing up in San Diego myself playing for Surrey Minor and um, when you play against those guys and you you see first and foremost how good of players they are, but but then you see that you're you know you're playing against them whether that's you know on a, a week or once a month when you 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 know you cross paths in the regular season. And, then you you don't get the opportunity to to be able to continue your hockey at a, or at least that's the way it looked kind of when you weren't yeah. drafted. Um, it is a big letdown, and I, I think at at age fifteen, sixteen, as as much as we are mature and uh, even into you know almost being done high school, these types of things, um, there's there's still so much time left um, in in your hockey career um, and in your growth. You can potentially take all these sorts of things and. Um, that's just, again, what I took to myself is, is just the opportunity and another chip on my shoulder to, to want to make an impact, to, to want to get better, to want to prove to not just myself, to a lot of people that, um, that I can play with these guys, that I can get to that level too. And it was, uh, it was something that in, in the summer skates, whether there was guys I'd seen that were just drafted or tournaments, whatever the opportunity might be. Uh, I wanted to, to put myself up against the best and, and, and try and get to their level or, or surpass them, whatever it might be. Did, did the Thunderbirds uh, list you or invite you to camp that year, or was it a year later? How did that? How did you get end up with the Thunderbirds? Yeah, so um, as a 16-year-old, when most of those guys had gone to major junior or gone mm-hmm. to junior A, um, that year I actually went and and tried out at a bunch of junior B. Uh, so in Vancouver area and, and kind of across all Canada, there's, there's junior B league. So BC, mm-hmm. there's one, um, that kind of goes in the interior. So Kamloops all the way up to Prince George and around, then there's the lower mainland one, which is, was at the time the Pacific international junior hockey league. And there was teams as, as far, I guess, East as hope. And then all the way, um, to Vancouver. So Burnaby, Langley, all kind of the, the lower mainland area and uh, I tried out for probably three or four um, and I got cut from the first three and then wow. finally uh, my dad was just like well I mean we can go to Hope you know it's a hour and a half two hour drive from Surrey but mm-hmm. um, if you really want to do this um, you know why not give yourself a, a try I mean I, I know from talking to other guys that were trying out, no one really wanted to go there because it was so far. Um, again it was Junior B which, which at the time and I still even think to this time is it's a league that's not looked on as okay. If you're going there, uh, your career's over, you're just mm-hmm. playing for fun or that type of thing. And, um, again, I went to that camp, 
uh, was very fortunate um, to, to, to make the team. Um, I think I, I still remember where the tryouts were when I was told that the team wanted to sign me. And uh, it was just, just a lot of, a lot of different emotions as a 16 year old kid where, you know, wow, I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm getting to play junior hockey. I didn't care <laughs> if it was on planets, uh, planet Jupiter, or it was, you know, I just, a couple hour drive so uh long story short that year it actually it went unbelievably i was still a smaller guy i was probably 5'10 5'11 for for you know what i had the, the size i am now but um that year i ended up making the all-star game at christmas time i think it was a guy at 30 or 40 points in in the 45 50 games and was having a lot of success and um, probably about around Christmas time. Um, the, the only team that I had talked to, um, for again, it being junior B level, um, was the Seattle Thunderbirds. And, uh, they came to a game in hope. I remember Russ Farwell and Rob Sumner both. And mm-hmm. it was actually kind of funny. Uh, the game that they made it out to was our first or second game of playoffs. Uh, we were playing Grandview, which is a Vancouver team. And I actually broke my nose in the first period. And oh. I was remember going into the game, my dad and I, you know, talking about it, how excited and kind of nervous I was, had a feeling they were going to come to the game. And first period, 10 minutes in, after they drive the three or four hours from Seattle up to the game, I, I broke my nose. And oh. I remember I had to stay that night in hope. And I was, the, the whole thing, I, I could have cared less if how big my nose was. I was just wondering if, you know, they liked my first five, 10 minutes. And, um, <laughs> Sure enough, uh, they did, and you know they talked to my dad during the game actually, and um, both Russ and Rob were were super positive, and it just worked out where I was able to sign with them, and, and kind of looking forward to the following year, which would have been my my 17 year old year. And so then in Seattle, obviously you you stayed there all through your 20 year old year. That that 20 year old year uh, was your your best as far as you know points and goals. Uh, was that just being more mature, and you've, you've probably grown into closer to what you are now? Is that is that why that season broke out like that? Yeah, it was, there was, there was a lot of learning curves in those mm-hmm. four years. Four years may not seem like a lot, but, um, when you're 16, when you come in, a kid just moving away from home, uh, you're living with a different family. You're with new guys that you're seeing every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you get to that, you know, you're going to high school, these types of things. And then when that 19 and 20 year old, you're starting to think about, okay, wow, um, what am I going to do after hockey? Am I going to be able to continue to play hockey? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's kind of next? And, and I think in those four years, you know, I didn't get drafted again at age 18, um, something which was an even bigger letdown than the time before. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, another another chip on, on the shoulder I was able to use as kind of uh, a bit of inner just just push and, and an extra little little thing to think about in the summertime or during the year of, of wanting to prove to people that I could that I could play and uh, getting to that 19 year old season um, I, I really felt I didn't have the numbers wise um, mm-hmm. really I guess to to back up how I was feeling but I still remember my exit interview with Turner Stevenson and Rob Sumner and these guys and they kind of said like the next year uh, there's going to be a lot of opportunity. We're we're losing a lot of guys, um, especially on the back end. Um, you know, why don't we see if you can, you know, really make a run at this thing and and try and play some pro after next year? And I I didn't think too much of it because at that time, like I said, I wasn't drafted. It's not like even after my 19 year old year, I had all these invites to go to this team or to that mm-hmm. team. And um, coming in and in, in that summer as a whole, I just I thought, what the heck. Uh, why not give this thing a shot? Um, I worked really hard. I 
kind of dedicated myself to, you know, trying to eat better and trying to work on different parts of my game and um, was was lucky enough to, to have the season that I did. I know it sounds like a crazy question to ask, but do you think you make the NHL and play so many games if you do get drafted? I mean, it seems like you always had that chip on your, your shoulder, whether it be at Bantam or after getting passed on two NHL drafts, to make you work harder and maybe, maybe you don't work as hard how do you gotten that validation with being drafted? Like, do you ever think about that or is that like a little far-fetched? I definitely, definitely think about that a lot. And uh, I've been very fortunate to be able to talk to some kids whether that's in my, my hometown in the summer, or, um, even guys that, you know, if they get called up during the season and, and maybe you're having a bit of a tough go or whatever it might be, um, they just kind of shed a little light on, on my story, on, on how I, I got to this point and how fortunate I am. And, I think for a lot of players, I mean, you look at a team like Pittsburgh, if you're a centerman that's been drafted for the past 10 years, uh, sorry, but I don't care how good you are, you're not playing above Crosby or Malkin. Um, you know, you could look at it from, from Washington now at the same time. I mean, if, if you're a high-end winger, I mean, to, mm-hmm. to crack that top six between Ovechkin, Oshie, um, you know, Vrana, Wilson, um, you know, it's it's tough sledding. And, and I think every team, when they do go into their drafts or their free agencies um you know these general managers are 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 pretty dialed in and smart knowing what they need or what they they need to address but um i think that to your point that if if it was to work out differently who who knows how that would have gone who knows how things would have shaken out but um i i do know that uh i don't take anything for granted even even to this day Uh, every game every practice i know is a new opportunity to to be able to get better, to, to be able to, uh, you know, make make sure that whether that's I'm in the lineup the next day or, or getting as many minutes as the, the previous night. And uh, I think that mindset's really helped me. It's a motivating story, too, because, I mean, and that it's not just hockey, right? Like every person on the planet has been told no at some point, you know, and it's so easy when you get told no to just say, okay, well, I tried, you know, and, and go on to the next thing. So it's, it's, it's just cool to hear that. I mean, frankly, you were told no at, at, at so many different stages in your career and now look at you as a, as a very regular NHL player. So it's just a, it's a motivating story. So let's go back to the Seattle Thunderbirds days when you were playing in the illustrious key arena. Um, yeah. We, when we have some guests <laughs> on that have a, Played in that in that barn, if you will. Uh, we ask what their favorite experience or moment was playing there. Yeah, well, I think for me it would would probably have to be be my first game. Um, that was just pretty amazing. I remember the drive downtown. Um, I remember thinking, "Wow, you know, this is this is so cool." Uh, <laughs> just how big it was going through by the Space Needle. And um, again, I mean, feeling like a pro really was, was how I would chalk it up to. And I think for myself growing up in Vancouver, I'd been to Seattle a couple of times and, and even to this day now, I mean, it's, it's such a great area down there. It's such an awesome, I mean, if you've never been there, you, you know, the Space Needle, you know, kind of the iconic skyline and, and these kinds of things. But um, that arena, I, I know there it's under heavy construction right now to, to get it all dialed in but uh, i think when it's once it's done it's going to be one of if not the the top top facility there for sure when it comes to the league so it's funny we've had some mixed reviews on that building because obviously it was never really designed for hockey and actually most people that we have that uh, you know 
that we talked to that played there, coached there, or whatever, say what a strange setup it was for hockey. Coincidentally, yeah. though, Jason Berger, who I think you know as well, uh, oh, yeah. former equipment manager for th- the Thunderbirds, <laughs> said it was a great setup for uh, for an equipment manager. So how, yeah. how did you feel it played as a, as a hockey building back when you were yeah, there? Yeah, well, it's, it's again, it, it definitely wasn't made for hockey. Um, it, the Jumbotron being in the one side and both teams <laughs> coming out of the Zamboni area and um, I remember the uh, you know the benches didn't have much room. Our dressing room wasn't too bad. I mean, we we had a decent little setup for for the guys, all our own stall and, and nothing like that. But but again, I, I think it, it for sure would have mixed reviews. I don't think that they would be able to have an NHL team in there, you know, the season after or while we were there. I, I don't know mm-hmm. after. Knowing some NHL guys, I don't know if it would be up to their their neck of their, their part, but um, for for some of us, some of us blue collar folk, uh, we would be just happy to, to have a dressing room, you know. But um, again, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be beautiful when it is all all finished, and um, I look forward to to playing there one day. So you also played, you kind of helped open Showware. How was that transition? Because I think you you played first half in Key Arena, and then the second half in Showware. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, um, pretty lucky to play the, the last game at Shore and our first last last game at Kikiri and the inaugural game at Shore. Um, super super cool building. Um, the buzz around it. Um, I mean, they've been talking about doing something like that ever since I was was a rookie for for Seattle. So to actually be able to experience it and and be in there and the, the opening night. I mean, it's I think for for junior hockey having that. 4,000 to 6,000 is kind of almost a, a sweet spot for, for being able to fill it and the ability to have all that. And, um, I think for, for playing in Everett, which was seemed to be at the time kind of the, the upper echelon of buildings and, and having that um, rambunctious, crazy crowd. Seattle has unbelievable fans, which which I think is something that everyone will, will get to, to know and learn. So Kind of moving forward to your NHL days now. Um, so obviously the, the defense position has changed, I think, pretty dramatically over the last 10 years. I think there's so much more emphasis now on guys who can get the puck up ice as fast as possible. Do you feel that your game has changed over time to try to adapt to that? Or uh, have you kind of stuck with what you've known? I think it's a definitely a great, uh, great question by you. I mean, it's something where, where every, every year the league as a whole seems to change. I mean, for me and just, just now being, I guess, in the midst of my, my eighth full season, um, you know, from when I came in to, to just the personnel and the way that teams is, you know, strategies and whether it was neutral zones or breakouts and these kinds of things, or, or there's even team makeup as opposed to now. And, and specifically for me as a defenseman, um, you know, I'm sure back, back eight, nine years, um, you know, the average height would probably be somewhere between six foot to six two. A lot of them would would be big bruising guys who um, you know didn't put up big numbers or, or would, were just kind of plugging around the ice per se. Um, and, and I think now you've you've got a lot of as you said you've got that kind of five ten to six foot um, super high offense um, defenseman that can join the rush and make plays and, and run power plays. And, and these are the kind of like the the big the big point guys that are putting up numbers and um i think for me in my game specifically um you know i was fortunate enough to to come in as a guy who when junior and in the minors i was i was playing power play i was playing all kind of situations and 
Um, I think to, to be able to first off, get your, your nose into the NHL or your foot in the door per se, um, you need to find your niche. And uh, for me to, to be the, the size I am at six, for to be a guy over 200 pounds um you know you, you got to be be a guy that can make an impact out there and um you know if you're not able to put up the numbers you're not getting that power play uh time per se um how else are you going to impact games and i think for me my my biggest strengths have, have always been my skating and you know and then obviously being able to use my size and as i came into the league uh, I was a physical guy. I, I kind of wanted to make that a staple of my game, which which I, I was very fortunate to have the coaches in Seattle that I did. They they helped me realize, you know, in my last couple of years, you know, I'd, I'd had a couple more fights. Um, I found myself being a lot more physical and that seemed to be a knock on me as a younger kid. I was a little timid or I was scared of the corners or I didn't want to go to the front of the net. And um, I, I think just those words to, to go as another chip on my shoulder growing up um, <laughs> really, really helped me to realize, hey, if, if you want to do this thing for a living, if, um, you know, you're, if you want to be, be a player and you want to continue to play the game you love, um, you've got to stick to that. And um, with that being said, over these last seven, eight years, um, I have been able to adapt with keeping that as my staples. You know, I, I still find myself being hard to play against and um, I take a lot of pride in that, but uh, being able to get up in the rush, um, you know, breakouts are such a big thing now. I mean, you want to get the puck to Ovechkin, you want to get the puck to Backstrom. Um, you know, these are kind of things that as defensemen, um, you can make a living off of if you can break the puck up uh, cleanly. So I uh, it's a constant thing that you as a player, whether that's watching film or, um, you know, watching your teammates. I mean, I've been, again, very fortunate. The defensemen that I've been able to play with over the years, Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, um, now being here, John Carlson, uh, Dimitri Orlov, even in Dallas, Stefan Robida. And, and I mean, the list goes on and on, but um, just, just very, very fortunate. So that thing about being timid going into the corners, do you, what, do you like looking back, was that true? Or do you think that was just a misconception about you? Um, I would say, you know, maybe my first first second year of, of junior, uh, I, I think growing up, I was I was usually a smaller guy in my teams, and and I think that part of the the game really helped kind of my skating and in having to find other ways to impact. And and as I grew and my confidence kind of grew, um, and I realized like, look, hey, um, you know, you're going to have to impact the game somehow. Um, you know, if you're able to shut down some of these guys, if you're able to you know, be a, be a thorn in some of their sides. If you're able to, to be able to keep up and finish your checks cleanly and, and do all these types of things, um, you know, there is a role for that. And, and with establishing that first and foremost is the, you know, the staples to my game, as I said, um, from there you can build. And, and I've just tried to, you know, earn coaches trust to get more minutes. And with that becomes, you know, you can get more confidence. And from that you can make more plays and, um, you know, the list goes on and on. Yeah. Interesting. So, Brendan, you've been uh, you've been traded twice, which can't be fun. And we all saw that video of you a month ago. Now it feels like a year ago, but it was like a month ago, <laughs> yeah. uh, being emotional about being traded to, to Washington. Uh, what? Yeah. How stressful is that? Uh, you know, I know the days leading up to the trade deadline, your name was showing up in articles. Do you hear those rumors? Is it stressful? Does it weigh on you? How, how do you how do you handle that? Well, it's I'd say both both trades were were super different. Um, mm-hmm. I think the trade from Dallas to San Jose was was something that was out of nowhere and I was still a super young player still trying to establish myself that one was was more of just like wow this is <laughs> you know kind of just a oh, eye opener like wow you, it's almost like you let somebody down or wow you almost felt like you weren't good enough or you felt like like just there was all these things wrong with 
with myself that I almost like a sense of what the heck, what, what didn't I do? Um, and then I think once, once this trade from San Jose to Washington, uh, that one was, you know, the team is struggling. Um, I've been asked about it in the media probably a million times mm-hmm. from Christmas on with the team starting to struggle. And my situation is being a UFA in the summertime. So those were all things that I, I couldn't really control. And uh, again, um, I, I remember uh, an older veteran player when I was first just starting to get on the ice with these guys in the summer, they'd said, you know what, there's a good chance you're going to get traded one day, kid. Um, just hope <laughs> it's not during the season. And, um, you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't wish anyone with, with all the moving parts that have to happen with, with something mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, I've been very fortunate both have been to, to two fantastic organizations and that have had a lot of good guys to, to help me out in the transition. Yeah, that must help to go to two. I mean, you go to San Jose, they were a strong team and now you're in Washington, another strong team. That's got to help a little bit that, to ease that, that pain or that transition. Oh, it's, it's huge. And I mean, I know from, from experience now in both aspects, I mean, you, you hear about when you talk to guys in the summertime or, or uh, when you do get to certain teams and you can see, you know, how much fun they're having or, mm-hmm. or the work habits they have. And, and for me coming to, when I came to San Jose at 24 or 23, whatever it was, it was like, wow, okay, Joe Thornton works really hard. Wow. Uh, okay, Brent <laughs> Burns, uh, you know, these guys really put the work in and, and have got great, you know, there's a reason why they've been successful for so many years. And mm-hmm. um, I think that was the thing when it came to, to now coming to Washington is, you know, you take the good with that and um, coming into a team that's already in first place, um, you know, you just want to be the right piece to the puzzle, which was something that um, hopefully I can continue to be here uh, if we can get this season back rolling. So, so you're in DC now. You're, you're most of your career you've been in the West or the West Coast, right? Like Vancouver, Seattle, Dallas, yeah. and San Jose. How how different is the East Coast and DC from not only just the hockey part but just lifestyle? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely definitely a change. I mean, for me, again, it's uh, being on the West Coast pretty much my whole life. I mean, Texas was was obviously more central sure. and a little south and. Um, I'm just getting my geography and, you know, getting to on the East Coast. I have to make sure my agent put that out there for me. No, just but, um, you know, I, I think um, when you don't really know a place, when you when you visit a, a city when you're on the road, um, you're usually in the hotel, you're there for a night. Um, a lot of times you're in the same restaurants or set up, so you don't really get to see the city. And, and I think going to D.C., <laughs> always remembering you know, on the first the first probably week I was there, I was, I was there on my own and, you know, Finally, when Kovalchuk came, we'd be Ubering around to dinner or whatever, and people kept talking about this DMV, 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 and I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, like, what is this whole DMV thing? Like, like I mean, for me, I'm thinking, like, okay, are people big because it was always a positive thing whether it's on the radio oh yeah you know people enjoying the dmv this morning and i'm like who likes going to the dmv <laughs> so finally i i asked the uber driver the one night i go hey man like i don't want to say i'm actually from out of town i just got here and he goes oh dmv is actually dc maryland virginia and so uh, our practice rink is in Virginia and DC. <laughs> the game rink is in DC. And then a couple of guys live in Maryland. They're all super close. It'd kind of be like, I guess, uh, you know, Pacific Northwest there generally. So, um, getting to know the area there, um, lots to do, uh, tons of restaurants, um, you know, just having all parliament or I guess the, you know, the white house and all these types uh, of things are Canadian and me, um, yep, yep. you know, having all these things, um, is, it, is pretty cool. And, uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to get out and do 
a whole whack sure. of things just with um, with everything going on. But um, awesome city. Um, the building seemed to be sold out. I, I think I only played eight or nine games, but um, I think the building was sold out every home game. Uh, a, a lot of fun and, and just a great uh, a great organization all, all, all around. Have you accidentally drank from Alex Ovechkin's water bottle yet? Because I hear he puts like soda or something in there. Yeah, there's. I mean, I don't want to give away too many of his uh, too many of his. his cheat codes if you want to call them but um, you know they, they they threw me um my my spot in the room is is right in between Ovi and, and johnny carlson wow. so um yeah, again pretty pretty cool to be sitting in between those two guys and um we'll, we'll put it this way Ovi Ovi likes his soda for sure yeah. <laughs> so a, a more serious question about him though and i know you've only played what eight or nine games you just said but why is it? I've always been just my, like my mind is boggled by the fact that everyone knows the puck is going to him in the left circle on the power play. Everyone knows exactly <laughs> what's going to happen, you know, the goalie included, and yet it goes and he yeah. scores. Why, in the short time you've played with him here, why do you think that continues to work? Well, you know, I've been on the penalty killing side of that, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> trust me, the the meetings are pretty pretty darn similar to that okay guys um they're gonna want to get the puck to Ovi. hey so where's number eight he's usually on the left hand side he's got a decent shot you know so maybe someone try and get on him some of those meetings go on every time and uh i think for for washington specifically um you know when first off you got backstrom with the puck on the far side johnny carlson can shoot the puck pretty darn well um when you've got um oshi with a pretty big bomb in the middle um, when you've got guys like Kuznetsov and you know these guys that can make plays off the goal line, um, I think teams, for whatever reason, sometimes they almost not that you forget about them, but can kind of get mesmerized with some of the other players. And mm. uh, I think the, the team as a whole does such a good job of whether it's disguising him or, or I think the credit to him too is, is he always finds a way to get open. Um, you can have a guy on him, and, and I think for some of the upper echelon goal scorers and. And Ovi, debatably, you know, one of the best ever, if not the best ever. He, he finds those spots. He finds the areas to to get open where where the defenseman isn't, or or wherever he can he can kind of find his best angle. And um, you know, you don't score 700 goals by accident. Right. So he's, <laughs> he's doing something right, and it's uh, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. How frustrating is that when you're on defense? You go to all those meetings, and he still scores from that spot. Is it just like, man, we knew he was going to do that? <laughs> so it's got to well, be frustrating. I think I think for everybody collectively, from you know the coach to the players to the forwards. Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it takes a lot of courage to, to block that first and foremost for whoever is doing it. Um, but but secondly, when the play does go to it and it almost seems like clockwork and it goes in, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like like guys, we watched about 30 clips of this. Um, <laughs> how can you let that happen? But you know, it's, it, it is definitely super frustrating. Obviously, Seattle's been pursuing the NHL for a while, and uh, finally we, we got the announcement. Um how much were you following it, uh, being kind of from the Pacific Northwest area? How much were you following it when it was going on over the last, you know, eight, nine years? Yeah, well, pretty much from, from when I got down to Seattle and, and was playing at the Key Arena for starters. Um, I, I always felt it was an NHL-type city with with the, the proximity to Vancouver, um, the California teams, Calgary Edmonton right there. Um, I, I think it makes sense on that part of things. When when you look at the the city for sports, the Mariners, they love the Seahawks, and um, the MLS team is is getting. I mean, everybody top to bottom. I remember going to to a couple. I actually saw 
Kevin Durant play when he was with the Supersonics there. I think that was my rookie season. Might have been his first. I think he only played one year in Seattle yeah. before they moved yeah. to Oklahoma City. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they got the, I think it's the Seattle Storm, am I correct? It's the yeah. NBA yep. team there too. So, um, you know, I know my I know my Seattle sports. <laughs> I, think, um, I think as a whole, um, just, just seeing how they were and, and how the setup was. And um, we, we always seem to have fairly strong teams uh, with the Thunderbirds having that kind of hockey culture. Um, I mean, I know for, for other sports, definitely it's, it's tough in, in the United States in general to ever trump football or basketball or baseball. But um, I know with hockey, it's, it's something unique. It's something different. And um, especially with, with, I think, how they've been, been showing more and more in, in playoffs and, and everything with social media is becoming more and more. Um, there's there's just more eyes on it, and uh, I think it's going to do extremely well there. Yeah, and there's also, it's it's grown so much where you have a lot of people from Midwest or kind of more traditional hockey markets that are even kind of growing the base before it even gets here. So do you come down at all during the summer? Do you get still get down here every once in a while? Yeah, I, I usually, I'm usually down there for when the Blue Jays play the Mariners, usually <laughs> oh. me and a couple of buddies. Oh, you're one of those. Uh, okay. We'll come down for the weekend. and. <laughs> Well, trust me, I'm the only guy wearing Mariners gear, so <laughs> you can ask, nice. you can ask a lot of a lot of my buddies, uh, guys I played with, and because <laughs> a lot of the Canadians are, are obviously Toronto Blue Jays fans, mm-hmm. but um, I, I feel like I had more of a connection to my to my Mariners, even though they're. I just need to make them make the playoffs here just once in the next little bit, or as long <laughs> as I'm still playing, because I get roasted every time. You know, they, they start off the season so well for me, and then just as they're, you know, they they get injured or have some unfortunate things, but um, I'm still staying strong. I, I do consider myself a, a true Seattle fan, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see with, with how that comes with the hockey team. But definitely, I, I come down there. I, I usually try to check in and see, you know, go to Pike Place Market for a bit or whatever it might be with with friends and family. So we talked last summer, and you said you would working out with Theodore and Barzell in the summer, mm-hmm. and I know your career overlapped briefly with Theodore. But I always wondered, like, when you see a guy that that's coming out of Seattle show up in the NHL, do you talk to those guys even though you didn't play with them? Like, what is that bond like for to be an alumni of the same junior team? Yeah, I think it's I think it's pretty cool. I mean, those guys are all from Vancouver as well, yeah. so uh, we we all see each other in our summer skates, or you know, I've golfed with with Barzi a couple times and mm-hmm. um, gotten to know to know those guys more and more. Um, you know, for Shea, obviously I played with him for a bit there in, in Seattle and then we actually work out at the same gym. So I see quite a bit of them. And, and I think just, just ever since I left Seattle, um, I know, I know we talk about it too, just winter amongst, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like your university, right? It's kind of yeah. like your college. I mean, for all three of us, um, you know, we, we spent our whole junior careers there. It's not like we were, we were going to a couple. So, you know, spending all four years, we kind of bond over with, you know, the homes that we were staying at or, guys places that we go to and, and i think it's um it's pretty cool to see like for all three of us being from the vancouver area all three mm-hmm. of us are three generations of captains there and then all three of us now now fortunate enough to to play in the in the big leagues and kind of play against each other so um all three are great guys and, and they've all i mean two unbelievable players that um you know it's pretty cool to see uh, seattle was able to have such a big part in all three of our uh, our careers. Awesome. All right. Well, Brendan Dillon, you have been awesome with your time. Thank you so, so much for doing this. We are very excited to see you get back on the ice and hopefully uh, see you come through Seattle here in 2021. Uh, I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me, guys. All right. Thank you again, Brendan Dillon, for uh, doing that interview with us. We really appreciate having you on. And a big thank you. Yeah. And like I said in the interview there, I mean, it's, it's a motivating and fascinating story and, you know, a reminder that, hey, 
even if you get told no at some point, keep trying and maybe you're going to get to where you want to be at some point. And so I, I came away feeling motivated and hopefully you did too. I thought it was pretty awesome, man. I, you know, I've been a fan because he's a shark for so long, but just amazing story. I didn't know that junior B story. I thought that was insane that I've never heard that before <laughs> because I'm always, I'm always rooting for the underdog, the undrafted guys, but that was nuts. Like he was very close to not playing junior B that year. Right. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. he goes an hour and a half away to hope. Because nobody else goes out there. And, so, and that came, came after he was passed over. The Bantam draft for the WHL is coming up here in three weeks. So I know we have a lot of Bantam players listening. I'm sure we're big in that 14-year-old yeah. demographic. But <laughs> if you don't get drafted, if you or if you have a kid who's a, a, a player, uh, he's a great example of, of a guy who didn't let that stop him. There, there every, it seems like every year there's a guy like that. But uh, obviously it worked out for him. He's played, what, about 600 games in the NHL or whatever he's played. So uh, he's been to a Stanley Cup final. So pretty cool story. All right, we're going to move on to our segments. And I'm told, I can't confirm it or deny it, but I'm told that we might have a Let's Get Quizzical this week. Is this true? We do. We okay. do. Oh, boy. So so you got uh, this is the honor system, right? Because yep. we're not in the same room. Yeah, this is like bar trivia. Have you guys played any bar trivia remotely with friends so far? No. Uh, no. I, I recommend that's, it. It's very fun. fun. Yeah, it is very fun, but uh, you have to have somebody kind of running the trivia game, and then you all have to sort of just assume that even though people are writing down answers on their computer, they're not using Google. But um, So anyway, yeah. I'm, I'm super <laughs> trustworthy, John, so um, don't okay. don't worry about me. It's really Andy you okay. have to keep an eye yeah, on. Yeah, well, I'm, leg- I'm trying to be legit, and I feel uh-huh. like if you're legit, you don't cheat, even if you don't know the answer. So. That's a good point. I'm okay. going to crash so. and burn. I'll be fine if I crash and burn. I'm, yep. I'm still okay. Yep. So let me explain the rules. I've got five teams, and I'm looking for the single-season record holder for, for these five different franchises for number of goals in a season. Okay. Oof. However, tough. All right. these teams have moved, and so oh, it's across both, both locations. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, wow. for example, okay. for example, I'm going to say Phoenix-Winnipeg. Team was lying. And team was funny. Oh, man, you said it before. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I'm looking for Winnipeg and Phoenix. Oh. And so oh, you, and you can say the same name, but you still have to go in order. So, Darren, you okay. went first. So yeah. you get Timu. Okay. And that's a point. Timu as well? I'm going to go with Shane Doan. Okay. And who's your Winnipeg pick? So you want from both teams. That's right. Uh, I thought you just meant overall. No, so you get... Two picks for per franchise. So for the for the Winnipeg, I'm gonna go with Bobby Hull. You can you can use Timu again. Well, now I'm hold gonna, on. Then Bobby what's Hull. the point of me at like answering it really quickly? There is no point of answering oh. really quickly. <laughs> I'm right. still gonna go with Bobby Hall. Take your turn. Okay, so Darren, do you have a pick for uh, Phoenix? I will go with Keith Kachuk. That's, that's what I was also thinking about. Boom! Big winner. Nice. Darren gets yeah. both of them. All right. Andy, ah. Andy, zero. So that, Darren, you win Phoenix Winnipeg. Okay. You get one point for that. Okay. Congratulations on that. I think okay. Timo had his big season when he was a rookie, didn't he? Didn't he have over 70 yeah. goals? Okay. So, Andy, you go first here. Okay. The Dallas-Minnesota franchise. You picked one, one player first, then Darren picks two, and then you pick your second team, second player from the other team. Oh, well, the Minnesota part's a little unfair, but I'm going to go with, because, you know, Darren's minutia. <laughs> I'm going to go with, oh, God, there's like four names like circling in my head. I'm going to go with Dino Cicerelli, which is probably not right. Okay. Darren, who's your North Stars pick, and then who's your Dallas pick? Mm, I don't know. See, this is the thing is, like, they moved away when I was five. So it's I, not I like I don't know. I'm just... It, 
I'm just. Um, it's an educational piece too. Mm-hmm. You got to look at it that way. It's, it's, it's infotainment. I am gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Mike Madano for both places. Ooh. Okay, Andy, who are you picking for Dallas? Well, I probably would have taken Mike Madano, but I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'll go. This probably isn't right, but I'm gonna go. That's no, not right at all. Uh, you can pick the same player. I can. I'll go with Mike Madano as well then for Dallas. Okay. Okay. You guys tie that one, so nobody wins. Uh, Brian Bellows was actually the North Star. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right, right. You're a star, <laughs> Bellows. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. If you are in that 14-year-old demographic, do not go look No, but video. I know what you're talking about. We're going Hartford, Carolina. Wait, so was Madonna the top he scorer for Dallas, for Dallas yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Hartford, Carolina. Darren, you pick okay. whatever team first, whatever you want. I'm going to try Eric Stahl for Carolina. That's a good one. Andy, you're two for picks. Car- do, I have to go, do I have to start with Carolina? You can do whatever you want. It doesn't matter. You're going two, twice in a row. Uh, is Ron Francis the all-time goal scorer for the Hartford Whalers? I'm going to stick I'm gonna stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. Probably not right, but... Ron Francis? Yeah, for, for Hartford. Okay, who are you picking for Carolina? I like, I like Eric Stahl. I can pick the same one, right? That's who I had. Okay. Um, I will go for uh, Hartford. I will go with. Well, I, now I can't pick Ron Francis because we're gonna pick the same two people. Um, <laughs> I have no shame in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Ron Francis. That is incorrect. Oh. Eric Stahl is correct. Is it Kevin uh, Dean? No, he's fourth uh, oh. in Hartford history, but it's Blaine Stoughton. Who? Oh, totally. Yeah. I would have gotten that. Back wow. from 1980. Do you remember that? No. No. The only other Hartford Whaler I could even think of off the top of my head there was Dave Tippett. And I was like, I don't think he was a big goal scorer. So so t- we got scores one to zero because you tied the other two. Okay. So technically it's four to three right? or two to three, three to two. Whatever. But I got two points for tied. Phoenix yeah. slash Winnipeg. You're up by one. You're up, You're by, up by one. One whole point. Hmm. Okay. I'm. This game is being played under protest because I don't think that's correct. But that's all right. Carry on. No, you're up by one. You, you can. There's only one point a, awarded per uh, matchup. Per okay. You're franchise. making it up as we go now, but that's fine. <laughs> I've, it's I've, it's I'm three like, to two. It's three to two, Darren. It's three to two. Whatever. It's one zero. It doesn't matter. You know, this is all being recorded, right? <laughs> Everything is being recorded that you're saying. Sure. <laughs> Quebec, Colorado. Ooh. Quebec, Colorado. Okay. Am I, I'm not going for Andy goes first this time, I think. Yeah. So I'll start with Colorado, and I'll go Peter Forsberg. All right. I will go uh, for Quebec. Let's go with – I'm going to go with – it's probably wrong, but I'm going to go with Joe Sackick. And for okay. Colorado, I'm going to go with Nathan McKinnon. Ooh, that's cool. Uh, okay, what's your second pick? My Quebec pick? I'm going to go with Stasny. No points awarded. No oh. right answers there. <laughs> Riveting, wow. riveting. Michel Gouillet is oh. the Quebec. He's got the top three in franchise history. I don't know why, Joe, but I Joe Sackick is fourth. Joe Sackick was fourth in the first okay. Colorado guy. All right. Oh, he's first All in right. Colorado. Yes, he is first uh, in Colorado. Okay. Joe Sackick. That's yeah. too obvious to me. Atlanta, Winnipeg. <laughs> so I'm going to go Marion Hosa for Atlanta. For Atlanta, I'm going to go with uh, Kolvacek. Ilya okay. Kolvacek. And then I got to go Winnipeg. Yeah. Uh, Winnipeg in a single season. Um, 
Oh, dude, what's the, what's the dude's name from Michigan? The name's totally, totally blank on his name right now. Are you thinking of Kyle Connors? Yes, that's what I want. Thank you. Is that helpful if I give you his name? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go with Patrick Laine. <laughs> oh, damn it. Boom, Patrick Laine <laughs> and Kolchuk. So so you guys tie that one. Ah, uh, okay. Where was, where was the Heat daddy? He was seventh. <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay. The Heater? Yep. So that's that it. Effective. That's it. That's that was all right. So who won? Yeah. We tied. You did, Darren. Oh, that was I hard. won? Yes. Yeah. Wait, didn't we tie? No, no you, I won. You tied on. I got Kovalchuk. Or, yeah, but he got Line A. So that's a tie. Yeah. But I was no, one ahead. Overall. Oh, that's right. You were one ahead. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. I'm cool. I had a tiebreaker. It was a good yeah. category. I just don't know about the execution. Yeah, that's true. Maybe uh, this I liked it. format isn't the greatest for this. but. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on now to our weekly one-timers. Wait, 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 hold on. What was the tiebreaker? Well, I was going to have you go down a list of name, first person to name three in Anaheim's top oh, ten. Okay. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> weekly one-timers. <laughs> so we have to at least briefly touch on this thing that happened this week with the New York Rangers, and we know that this probably deserves more than just a weekly one-timer, but... Uh, It's been talked about a lot at this point, but um, we don't want to pretend like it didn't happen by any means. The Keandre Miller situation where uh, he was doing a, you know, if you aren't familiar with it, he was doing like a fan engagement thing, basically, uh, where he was on Zoom and the New York Rangers were sort of introducing him to the fans, letting them ask questions and things of that nature. And as we know, there's been some issues with Zoom and their security processes unfortunately somebody got on there and was using a racial slur over and over and over and over and over and it was mm-hmm. uh, it was a pretty miserable situation and Keandre Miller kind of like played it off like it, he wasn't seeing it I don't know if that was the case if he actually wasn't seeing it in the moment but um, he was playing it off like he wasn't seeing it I, I don't know what there really is for us to say about it other than we felt like we'd kind of need to say something and yeah. just and, and it, it sucks, just sucks. It, it's yeah. awful I don't know I you know you feel for the kid you feel for anyone who has been through anything like this and you know he just he doesn't deserve that or you know it's just ugh, it just sucks it's disgusting yeah it was just a re- it was a reminder that people can be pretty ugly at times and and that some people stuck and it was yeah it was he did handle it as, as you know well as he probably could probably better than i would if something like that happened to me but um yeah, good like, on him he's just a, he's a 20 year old kid he's 2021 20, just signed his contract and he's got to deal with that i would yeah. imagine that he has a much much brighter future than whoever the douchebag was that was yes, online obviously saying these things so yeah hopefully he takes some solace in that and you know again i i wish that we lived in a world where this wasn't the um thing that we have to talk about once in a while but um unfortunately we do and but uh yeah just just a crap crap situation uh we'll move on to our next weekly one-timer Speaking of things that suck, uh, Calgary has the city of Calgary has. Uh, Wait, hold on. The city of Calgary doesn't suck. Oh, the situation. No, the situation. Situations that suck. Uh, Calgary has decided that they are not going to have any public events until June 30th, which would include NHL hockey games. So that's an interesting little wrinkle. We had something somewhat similar out of Toronto as well. Um, obviously, you know that Toronto wouldn't make the playoffs anyway, but <laughs> but Toronto did say that they would make exceptions to sporting events. Yeah. Uh, Toronto was specifically around things that require permits, right? And NHL games don't require permits. That was a little bit of clarification that came out of there. Yep. Mm-hmm. This one they specifically mentioned 
NHL hockey games and Flames games in particular. Yeah. They would not be allowed. So we so. shall see what happened. Let's plan for the worst, which would be that we just don't get to have any more hockey, but hope for the best. <laughs> and maybe we get to see the Stanley Cup get lifted at some point at the end of the summer. But uh, who knows what's going to happen here. Uh, our final weekly one-timer. We've talked a bit about Bobby Ryan and his story. Uh, so Sportsnet has put out a new documentary that we thought we should make you aware of uh, called The Secret Life of Bobby Ryan. Uh, and that actually is on YouTube, so you can watch it wherever you are. Yeah, in case yeah. you have some free time these days and aren't <laughs> watching a lot of sports. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, give it a give it a look. It's 30 minutes. It's on Sportsnet or tweet at me and I'll... I'll find it for you, but uh, tweet at John no matter what. If you can just get out and just tweet at John, yeah, just tweet and we've John. talked about, yeah, t- tell me about if, the you're, if you yeah. if you've got free time, yeah, John, love to hear your name suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what? Better yet, John knows when the name is getting released, so if you could reach yeah, out yeah, to he him knows all that and ask him uh, for yeah. details, yeah, ask but, him why it hasn't been released. Yet. John loves to answer those questions. Yeah, I'd maybe recommend just writing the word name and then a question mark at the end. <laughs> Yeah. In all caps. Yeah, exactly. I respond to all those. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. This wraps up episode 81 of Sound of Hockey. Thank you again very much to Brendan Dillon. Uh, Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Stitcher, subscribe on Spotify. Leave your five-star review on iTunes. We didn't have one of those this week, but uh, we hope to have one next week, and we can read it for you. But we will talk to you all very soon for episode 82. Stay safe and cheers. Thanks so much. (laughs) 